Today in Agronomy on KFILAM AM 1060 with Pioneer Field Agronomist Allie Wise and Josh Schaffner. Here's Josh and Allie. Good morning, Southeast Minnesota. It's June 16th, 2021, and this is episode 74, Allie, episode 74. So obviously um, kind of a different week. Um, obviously the crop has changed a lot with all the, the warm temperatures and, and the sun alley. Uh, however, I think kind of this moisture situation is kind of front and center in everybody's mind, but um, you know, not a lot we can do, but kind of sit back and wait and hopefully we get some relief from this. But on the flip side, Allie, uh, the crop is progressing at a, a pretty rapid rate across the area. Yeah, I'd say, you know, we're forming a new leaf collar easily every two and a half, probably two, two and a half days. Um, so we're really starting to push this crop along. And obviously this heat is conti- has continued into this week. Um, and unfortunately, no rain again this week as well. So we'll be watching what maybe the forecast does tomorrow. Hopefully that'll bring us something across the area. Um, but if you look at, you know, generalizations across the area we cover in southeast Minnesota, on average, we're trending roughly, uh, would you say, 50 GDUs above the normal? Um, I think if you summed it up, we're probably closer to 80, 85. If, if you just look at it, um, you know, that always ranges. There's always some hot pockets uh, across the area. There's some some cooler pockets. But uh, I think on some of the summaries here, we're looking at, you know, some areas of southeast upwards of 134 above the average and some, you know, maybe 51 above the average. And if we rewind, Allie, you think about how cold the month of, of, of April and May were, it's kind of amazing that we're sitting here in the middle of June and we're actually ahead on GDUs. Yeah. And it's, you know, like you said, we are stretching that crop, but obviously we do also want to look at across the area. Moisture wise, we are below the average, at least a couple of inches um, across the area. And everyone in Southeast Minnesota has officially moved in, unfortunately, to that moderate drought status. Um, you know, I, I think what's the one thing flashing in my mind is just that for how nice planting conditions were, we've certainly been testing this crop along the way. Um, I think, you know, anxiety levels are high just because we kind of feel like we're trying to capitalize on on the markets and what we maybe felt like we lost in 2020 with the the crop prices, not quite where we wanted them to be. Um, But I think, you know, with these drought conditions, there's just a lot of talk around crop size, management decisions, marketing, et cetera, et cetera. And I just think this is a good time just to focus a reminder to focus on the things that you can control and maybe just work through those what if scenarios. So I wouldn't hesitate to reach out to your crop insurance agent, you know, just asking those questions of what if I grow up, whatever bushel breaker crop compared to my APH, what if, you know, most of my county catches a rain that I don't, and I'm off bushel wise from the county average. And, and maybe even talking to your grain merchandise, or what if I forward contract at these prices and come up short? You know, just maybe asking those questions. I'm, I'm confident they'd be happy to converse with you on those topics. But I think this weather, Josh, as it relates agronomically, what would be your key points, you know, with this early season drought stress coming on? Yeah, a, a lot of it. Um, you know, I, I think you said it best, control what we can control. And I know there's a lot of anxiety out there of, you know, the, can we get production, you know, paired with price, right? You know, that's always the the hardest thing. There's years you got production, you know, the price and there's years you got the price, but you know, the production and, um, you know, I think what, coming off of some, some tougher economic times, everyone would sure like to try to take advantage of this and get the production. But, um, you know, the biggest thing that that I think we have to do agronomically is, is like you said, control what we can. And a lot of that just, you know, um, revolves around, you know, kind of staying the course, what we need to get done. Um, you know, to this point, we've, we've managed the crop according, accordingly. And, you know, there's a few little tweaks we got to make here with the current conditions. But, you know, uh, the big thing is, you know, we we still got to feed this crop and we still got to 
um, protect it, whether it be, you know, from a weed control standpoint, which we've kind of wrapped up the corn and now we're really getting busy into the soybean uh, side of things of getting them sprayed. And, and there's some concern there too, you know, in these conditions, are we going to ding the beans or is there some risk there? And, and um, you know, what the main thing is we can't just delay those things or not do them because the weeds are still going to grow and we're kind of in our target window and um, kind of the next step. And, and we just keep staying the course and we'll get that done. Then we'll evaluate when we get to month of July, what do we do with, you know, disease protection and fungicide. But for the most part, we just got to, you know, stick to our plan as best we can and, and just make the small tweaks where needed. Yeah. And I think, you know, just a reminder there, because you did talk about, you know, just that reminder, there are still those key things that we don't want to lose sight of. And you mentioned that corn post herbicide applications are for the most part wrapped up, but I would say just another reminder that if you aren't wrapped up, watch the growth staging on corn. Obviously we're reaching that point where we're going to hit the restrictions on that. And then as we move into soybean post herbicide apps, we would expect those um, to pick up pace this week. Um, and even if, you know, I've had a lot of comments on, I think those soybean fields look pretty clean at this point. You know, I would urge folks just maybe take another look. Things are, are starting to get a little hairier than I think the initial eye um, is maybe showing us. So certainly we'll talk about those considerations um, in the next segment as well. But yeah, yeah, and we can briefly touch on them here too. I think we've got about 50 seconds left here, but um you know, and I think that's something, um, and that's a good thing, right, Allie? Of course, and hey, my fields look pretty clean. Uh, that's a great thing. And I know, um, Allie, we were down with the, the Fillmore Central FFA last week. I spent some time with them, and and we were walking some of our herbicide trials that we had going on down there in the plot. And, you know, from the road, didn't look like a weedy field, but once we got walking around, there was still a lot of, you know, anywhere from two to four inch weeds out there, you know, lamb's quarter and the um, the water hemp and the ragweeds were coming. It wasn't, you know, horrible density, but on the flip side, you know, that's kind of when we want to target them, right? Two to four inches. And a lot of times we're laying some residual down. So not a bad thing if the fields are looking clean. It, it, what it's really telling us, hey, you know, the crop stage is right. The weed stage is right. And uh, we want to make sure we keep it clean start to finish. And uh, this is going to be the big week to hit, the, hit those uh, those fields as, as uh, the week progresses. So as we come back from break, uh, we'll got to talk a little alfalfa. I can't forget about our dairy producers and alfalfa producers. And uh, we'll kind of give an update on that. Welcome back listeners. So Josh, nice discussion in the first segment on where we're sitting crop stage across the area, certainly pushing ahead of pace, obviously with this hot weather. Um, but we obviously talked about the weather and as it relates um, to this drought that we're, we're coming into here very abnormally for maybe this early in the season, um, but are getting quite a few questions on that we just wanted to hit on real quick. We are, of course, questioning, you know, what is the impact of this early season drought stress? You know, what could this potentially mean for the crop? And I think we obviously know this corn is showing signs of stress. And it's um, as we get closer and closer to the reproductive stages, that's where when we would expect a greater impact on yield. But any just comments on maybe what one could be looking at potentially for impact on yield at this stage in the game? Yeah, great, great question, Allie, and one that I've had a few times of um, you know, as we have some fields, you know, definitely starting with some of the lighter soils. I think we still have a lot of the, the heavier ground that that's hanging in there. I'm not saying you're not seeing some pockets of stress, but it's not whole field stress. But um, prior to V12, corn can handle quite a bit of stress. Um, like you mentioned, we'd much rather have this dry pattern now versus say as we're in the reproductive phase of the crop as we get to mid-July and into August. Um but, you know, by a rule of thumb, and this can vary by environment, this can vary by hybrid or even fertility levels. But if we have corn actively showing the stress at this stage, which, you know, we'd probably want to say seeing some curling or some rolling of the leaves, you know, we're probably looking at anywhere from one to three percent yield loss per day in the worst situations. And that would be once we start showing stress, if that stress continues to show day after day after day, 
um, that would start being the compounding effect, which a lot of fields alley not to that stage yet. But if you do look at some lighter soils or some tougher areas of the farms, you might see that stress. And that would probably be, you know, the range of yield loss per day that we could be encountering in those situations. Yep. And like we said, we'll just hope that, you know, as this week progresses, we do get some moisture back into this profile. And I think one thing's for sure, when the rain does come, we'll we'll stop what we're doing probably and just take it in. So um, just the different angles we're exploring, obviously, like we said, can't control the weather, but just those considerations, if you're wondering what that could look like for you. Um, but you'd also mentioned before we move into alfalfa, Josh, I think it is important. We've had several calls, you know, as we progress into this week, and soybean post-herbicide applications on maybe some things between enlist and extend. And it did just remind us that I think it's very important that we just give that, that reminder of even though folks have maybe double, triple checked what herbicide trait they have um, on their soybean fields, I wouldn't hesitate to just check one more time. And maybe if you look across your operation, especially if you're working with a couple of different herbicide traits, maybe even going as far as to flag those fields that are either enlist or extend and make sure that whether you're the, the applicator or you have someone else um, custom spraying for you, that there's very designated signs on which um, herbicide trait you have out there so that we can keep um, the crop damage as minimal as possible this year across the area. Yes, and I think you and I both have some of our first calls uh, this week of um, some they extend and list mix up where we're killing some beans by spraying the wrong the wrong herbicides on the wrong traits, and um, I think it's just really important to to kind of take that approach of you know you know check recheck and, and check it again you know what do I got planted what are we spraying on it uh, especially um, if you're in operation that might have planted some of both which there are some out there that planted both. Um, um, traits. They got some enlist and extend. And even if you are, you know, having your, your spraying done by somebody else, when you think about enlist and extend, they can sound really similar. It'd be easy to mix it up. Um, you know, Allie, you and I are fortunate we kind of deal with these things every day, but um, sometimes it's just easy uh, to make that mistake because they sound so similar. So I just want to double, triple check that. And at this stage of the game, you really don't want to repl- re- be replanting just so much yield loss from planting at this point. And uh, if we got some good looking beans, we definitely don't want to lose them from a misapplication of herbicide at this stage of the game. Yep, exactly. And I think, you know, just one other call out as we think about these um, herbicide applications post on soybeans. Um, obviously, we're a little bit jumpy this year just because of the significant crop response that we did experience across the area last year. But, you know, we look at the conditions we have. So this dry and then kind of extreme heat is what I would call it. And, you know, we had maybe been talking that it might not be out of the realm to see a crop response, no matter what you spray, you know, could be more of an environmental thing. Any specific comments on that? Yeah, I think it's going to be hard to avoid it in some situations. Uh, In a lot of cases, um, you know, especially where we're maybe layering residuals with it. So we're adding products that are, um, you know, bringing some more surfactant load to it. And obviously, in some cases, we're back to using um, like FOMO-safe and our burner products, you know, where we're not spraying the Canva. So, so that's a risk, especially when you pair that with some MSO um, or some crop oil, which I'd be a little, you know, maybe to talk to your guy about what rate should we be using in these conditions. Um, so a lot of things going on there. It might be hard to avoid crop response in all situations, um, but, you know, just being careful with um, kind of the, the, the surfactant loads would be the big thing to try to minimize that and uh, just double, triple check with your um, chemistry person to make sure we got that mix right uh, for the conditions to make sure we get the weeds, but also make sure we you know keep the crops safe along the way as well. Yep, absolutely. And as we kind of roll into the end of the show here, Josh, we can't forget about alfalfa, you know, important time of the year, especially on your, you know, your new seeding fields to make sure we're understanding what our leaf hopper pressure is, 
When do we need to be spraying? And then you'd also mentioned alfalfa weevils have actually been pretty active um, earlier in the season, which is uncommon. Yeah, two things to wrap up the show quick. Uh, alfalfa weevil pressure was pretty high coming out of first crop cutting. Um, if you're out there scouting now, uh, they're likely getting close to pupation. We're not going to see them. Base your applications on if you have 50% of the stems with feeding. Uh, leaf hopper just picking up. Be sure to dust off the sweet nets uh, with these conditions. I think we got a chance for it to be a big leaf hopper year again like it was last year. And with that, uh, it's a wrap, Ellie. We'll uh, get some numbers from our sweep net for next episode, and uh, be sure to turn in. Ne- be sure to tune in next week. You've been listening to Today in Agronomy on KFILAM 1060. If you've missed part of the show or want to hear more, check out the show page at kfilradio.com or with the 103.1 KFIL app. Stay connected with Allie and Josh on Twitter. It's at Allie G-Wise, W-I-S-E, and at Josh Schaffner to submit your questions for the show. Tune in next Wednesday for the next Today in Agronomy on KFIL AM 1060.